Welcome to Politics Done Differently, a no-frills political podcast for the everyday voter, aiming to engage Australians in the political agenda. Hosted by Katarina Sullivan, businesswoman, award-winning sustainability expert, and political junkie. This episode of Politics Done Differently is brought to you by Strategic Sustainability Consultants, an Australian-based consultancy working with businesses, governments, and not-for-profits to assist them in becoming economically, socially, and environmentally sustainable. I'm back at Parliament House today for another episode of Politics Done Differently, and my guest today is Mr Lou O'Brien, the Liberal National Party candidate for Wide Bay. How are you going, Lou? I'm going great, Katarina, and thank you very much for inviting me onto your podcast. Um, it's uh, I've had a bit of a look at what you do, and uh, it's really exciting stuff, oh, and uh, really you. happy to be a part of it. Oh, fantastic. Cool. I was thinking about this morning when I was driving in, how I've you know had a few guests on the show now, and when you called me to say that you were going to come on, it was like I'd known you for a long time you were just so friendly and so open and so excited to be coming on so well, thanks yeah thanks. It was... must be uh, some of the skills that I learned prior to being a, po- a politician sure. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's one of those things that um, young people especially mm. get intimidated by politicians yeah. but at the end of the day you're just people and a lot of you are very very friendly <laughs> yeah and it's so true uh, mm. and it's one thing from my point of view, as somebody who certainly sees myself as just a normal, average person, mm. uh, that I try my hardest, particularly with the school groups that come through, sure. is just to let them know that this opportunity is open to anyone yes. who has the desire and uh, and feels like they want to serve their community. And you don't have to be special. You don't have to come from money. You don't have to be born into a family of of uh, note, you you can do it. And we need more people in this building with life experience mm-hmm. of the average Australian. Yeah. We do. That's yeah. that's my belief. And I think I probably fit that. Yes, yeah. Well, before politics, you were a police officer. Yeah. Um, what made you make that choice? Well, the, the choice to be a police officer. Yes, yeah. So my uh, start into adult life wasn't... Mm-hmm an easy one. Uh, I, I left school the last year I finished at school, the last year I completed was was year nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that time, my mum was diagnosed with motor neurone disease. And we all know nowadays what motor neurone disease is, but back in 1987, uh, it was, it was un- there weren't too many people that knew about it. So she had a really aggressive form of motor neurone disease and um, my father decided that she would nurse her at home and move mm-hmm. to Queensland. So my, um, the beginnings of my adult life started with, with that journey yeah. and nursing mum for uh, 12 or so months mm-hmm. prior to her passing away and me continuing on in life. And when life had, uh, when I was ready to step back into things after that, I'd Going back to school wasn't the first thing on my mind. I was still grieving and recovering, and uh, it took a number of years. So once I met my wife, Sharon, and kicked off with a family and, and did whatever I uh, had to to pay the bills, yeah. from labouring, working on farms and factories, uh, you name it, I, I did it. I always felt like I needed some more stability mm-hmm. as a, a career, but I had zero education. So then I went back and did some tertiary uh, study at TAFE mm-hmm. and uh, got a certificate in justice and be, with the objective of, of being a, a policeman. So in my mid-twenties, I went into the mm-hmm. police uh, and, yeah, that, that's where I was for 16 years before coming into Parliament. Oh, wow. And did you enjoy your work as a police officer? Look, there were... Policing is a bit like politics. Yep. It's... You don't leave work high-fiving everyone every day because that's just not how it works. Yeah. Uh, I spoke about my time as a as a uh, accident investigator, mm-hmm. uh, investigating fatal accidents on the Bruce Highway in my maiden speech and spoke openly about my 
experience with uh, PTSD. And, you know, they're not happy times. Yeah. They are extremely valuable experiences. Mm -hmm. And so framing it like that, yeah, not every moment of being a police officer is, is happy, but they're all very valuable. And there are some happy times. There were yeah. some really great times policing, policing in small country towns and regional Australia is, I think, one of the greatest jobs you can do. Yep. And I'd encourage anyone that's got a desire to do it to, to follow that desire and, and get into it. Mm -hmm. Oh, fantastic. Well, it's great for you know the community that you've been so open about your mental health journey because it is something that people don't speak about enough. What, with your own experience in mind and also now as the member for Wide Bay, how do you think we can improve mental health facilities and services in Australia? Well, I think in most of the case, with a lot of things that we do in Parliament, more money. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's probably a given. Yeah. We've been really focused, on, on the other hand, we've been mm -hmm. really focused uh, on reducing the stigma mm -hmm. associated with mental ill health. And when you look at the numbers, one in four Australians is going to have a bout of mental ill health. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we, we need to look at it differently. And that's what I feel is my duty as somebody who's a fairly prominent leader in the community to say, particularly when I'm going well, you know, things are going well in my life. I'm, I'm the federal member for Wide Bay and I'm kicking some really solid goals. Mm -hmm. While that's happening, it's important that I say, and I live with having to manage my mental health. Yes. Because all too often in public life, mm -hmm. we see someone's uh, circumstances uh, deteriorate or they do something and then they want to declare some form of mental ill health. Well, I, mm -hmm. I really object to that. Yeah. I think the time to talk about mental health when you're a public figure is when things are going well. Yeah. And they, if you manage your mental health, mm -hmm. Uh, if you treat yourself well, uh, get enough sleep, eat the right diet, listen to your support network, if need be, get a, a regular appointment with a psychologist, there's no reason why you, you can't do anything yeah. and manage it. So it's important that, uh, that you show your hand mm -hmm. when things are good. Yeah. Don't hide away and well, let's forget about it and, because that doesn't do anyone any good. Yeah. I want people to hopefully say well look at him he's he's made the journey back mm -hmm. from from a, a significantly low point in my life and it is doing well i think you make a really good point about making sure that you're talking about you know the management ongoing because i think people have this idea that once you go through a down period that you come out of it and it's all easy going from there and you don't have to do any more work because you've you know fixed yourself I use air quotations there, yeah. um, but yeah, it's an yeah. ongoing management well, recovery journey. Recovery is, is, for me, recovery is a lifelong journey. Yeah. It's a different way of life. Mm -hmm. It's a better way of life. Yeah. Um, it really is. So I know what it's like mm -hmm. to, to hit rock bottom, to, to really wonder about the future yeah. and to consider you know, the, what's, what's available to me. When you're really low, you just think, I don't, I don't think I can get through this. Or you think to yourself, you know, has anyone ever, else ever felt like this? Because it's so extreme. Yeah. And it's important to, um, to just acknowledge that to people who are feeling like that, yes, mm -hmm. you will get better. Yes, yeah. you can uh, recover. Admittedly, you're never probably going to be the exact same person before. You're going to probably be a better person, mm -hmm. a much better understanding of yourself, and you can achieve things. Yeah. There's no, you know, because you've had a bout of depression or anxiety or whatever the, the case may be, you can work through it and live a happy, uh, fulfilling life mm -hmm. where, you're, um, where you're really delivering. And yeah, yeah it's, it, it is, it's important to remember that your recovery, particularly people like me mm -hmm. I live with PTSD yeah. my recovery is one that I'll be on that road for, for, for the rest of my life yeah and I'd like to make a mention here that for anyone listening to the podcast if they are struggling or if they're feeling like they need some extra help to reach out to a mental health organization or to their doctor or to family or friends and actually speak about their problems because 
that's the first way to start getting back on the road to recovery. That's absolutely right. And there's yeah. a lot of good people out there, good organisations, and people need to reach out, uh, tell your network around you how you're feeling. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing to be ashamed or embarrassed about. The sooner mm-hmm. you do that, the sooner you'll be back on, yeah. uh, on the road you want to be on. And we've spoken about mental health as a big challenge that's facing Australia with one in four people Mm. experiencing it at some point in their lives, as you brought up before. What are some other challenges that are facing the people of Australia, in your opinion? Well, the the (laughs) challenges uh, are pretty vast, Mm -hmm. and that's why I'm here. Certainly, uh, employment is, is an important one. It's an important one. For me, because my because the electorate of White Bay historically has had high unemployment, mm-hmm. youth high unemployment, and uh, one can lead into the other. Not having a job can can cause you to to, to become depressed and and, yes. and anxious. So, I really believe that growing the economy and growing jobs, positioning ourselves in a world that's changing rapidly and becoming more and more globally focused is important. It's really important. We need to take advantages, advantage of opportunities that uh, present and we need to make some opportunities. Yeah. So employment is huge uh, and I'm a member of the coalition so there's a heavy focus on making sure the budget and the economy is running well. Yeah. Uh, making sure that we spend money in the right areas so that uh, the future is, is sustainable mm-hmm. uh, economically and environmentally in every other way when it needs to be sustainable so that's 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 really important I, I'm also obviously very um, focused on road safety sure. as a former accident investigator and mm-hmm. we we have some 1200 odd people getting uh, losing their lives yeah. every year on the roads so that's another area I work really hard to uh, to address, the Prime Minister recently uh, gave me the uh, honour of chairing a joint select committee into road safety, which I'm currently doing, and uh, and I'm also the f- uh, chairman, co-chairman mm-hmm. of the Friends of Road Safety group, which is a bipartisan group, mm-hmm. with my good friend Alex Gallacher, the Labor Party senator. Yep. So we're trying to be as uh, as bipartisan as possible yeah. when it comes to road safety because yep. it's a it's a big cost to the community, it's a big cost to families, and there's, as, as I know and others know very all too well, yeah. there's nothing more tragic than a family member not making it home at the end of the day sure. because, of, uh, because they've uh, died in a road, road crash. Yeah. And your work in the friendship, parliamentary friendship group, that's something that we've not actually spoken about much on Politics on Differently. We've mm. covered what happens in the chamber, what happens in the committee rooms. Can you tell us a little bit more about the parliamentary friendship group? Yeah, so there's there's lots of parliamentary friendship groups. Sometimes there's even a bit of a joke about having a... Uh, it's, there's so many of them. I see one of my good mates came up with a... Uh, a uh, call for a a parliamentary friendship group into parliamentary friendship groups (laughs) (laughs) the friends of friendship groups but they're important Mm. and and they do create an opportunity to uh, present a bipartisan approach with with whatever the topic is and yeah road safety is one of mine and Alex and I have been the the chair for ever since I've been in parliament Mm -hmm. and it's also presented quite a number of opportunities uh, that uh, may not have been open to me in terms of road safety. Yep. One of those was uh, was last year. I got to uh, to go to the United Nations mm-hmm. in uh, in New York and co-sponsor a resolution to do with global road safety. So I actually got to speak in the General Assembly mm-hmm. in in the United Nations, which yep. was a, a hugely significant moment for an ex-country copper <laughs> who... Uh, who's uh, certainly seen most of, of, of the bad end of road safety, yeah. to, to stand there and think about some of the people who, uh, who I had helped and some of the people who had passed away yeah. to be standing there in the, the General Assembly. It was very, very meaningful for me. Mm. I'm trying to keep my eyes dry at the moment, <laughs> blinking <laughs> quite rapidly. I can imagine how yeah. powerful they have spent a lot of time at the United Nations in yeah. my career and I've never had the chance to speak at the General Assembly about any resolutions but I imagine it would be yeah. 
yeah, very meaningful, especially something that you've been so passionate about and you've worked in day in, day out. What have been some of your other sort of overseas experiences that you've had being the representative? Well, uh, one thing about federal, the federal arena of politics, there are uh, opportunities to, to uh, travel with uh, whether it be uh, an advocacy group or, or a committee. And as somebody who'd done no travel prior to politics, it's been a bit of an eye-opener on those limited times uh, that I have been able to go overseas. So, um, look, but in saying that, Mm -hmm. the name of the game is to stay in Australia and look after your constituents. And that's been my focus. So, look, you spend about 20-odd weeks a year down here in Canberra then there's all the other hearings that you have to take part in. Yeah. Uh, and time at home, time in Wide Bay is so valuable. Yeah. And it's what I like to do. So that's where I try and spend most of my time. Yes, yeah. Well, the overseas trips are obviously important as well to see what other places are doing right around the world and mm. bring those ideas back to Australia. Because yeah. sometimes I think we can get too inward looking if our federal politicians spend all their time in the country. We're not getting fresh yeah. ideas, new ideas. Yeah, and, and look, I, I did um, uh, go over to the Middle East yep. uh, recently and that was a really valuable experience for mm-hmm. me, uh, meeting with uh, the Palestinian Authority mm-hmm. and uh, talking, going into the West Bank mm-hmm. and uh, speaking to those groups there that, uh, that could give me their challenges and point of view from from their uh, from where they sit in in that whole conflict it it is valuable because mm-hmm. as you can see on a day-to-day basis we're talking about israel and we're yeah. talking about palestine and we're talking about uh, america and mm-hmm. iran and all of those influences and they all tie together so uh, whilst it was a, a pretty rigorous trip and it was it was a huge eye-opener to see the disadvantage in some of those areas uh, and the absolute complexity of the problem mm. and uh, I, I, I was really grateful for that experience yeah it's one of those age-old questions that I don't think we'll ever get a proper answer on as to how to solve the conflict and you know Who's at fault and <laughs> yeah. it's yeah, a very tricky it political is. situation. It, it is. It's, it's extremely tricky and when you talk to the people involved, you can see in their eyes yeah. how connected they are to their point of view, obviously. Yes. And when yeah. you, it's, a, it's an intensity that's almost rare in the Australian political environment. Um, we're a little bit more laid back here but everyone you talk to over there you can just see the fire burning in their eyes and uh, that was a good experience for me to both hear what the issues are but also meet the people involved and and be as objective as possible yeah Uh, yeah, tremendously tremendously valuable and I think as well if you know someone's able to say or give their opinion as to whether they think Israel is right or Palestine is right Mm then you're discounting the experiences of all the people on the other side, the yep. individual humans that are being affected. Yeah. And I think it's something that in Australian politics we do really well. Um, our polit- politicians from across all parties really connect to their constituents. What are some of the issues that your voters have brought forward to you that you have dealt with in Parliament? Oh, they're, 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 you name it. Yeah. You name a portfolio and there's an issue associated with it um, that, uh, that someone's brought something forward to me. We, we do a lot of uh, Veterans Affairs mm-hmm. uh, matters and uh, Centrelink in, in the office. There's a lot of people uh, come to our office who need help with Centrelink, pensioners uh, of, of all kind, and uh, that's a big part of our business. So... That's that's really important that we get the balance right between uh, a, a generous having a generous system yes. that also encourages people who can work to mm-hmm. work, but also you've got to understand, and, and this is something that I feel pretty passionately about. You've got to understand that m- many of our age pensioners mm-hmm. didn't have access to superannuation like like us. It was always an expectation and a, and a right, and 
that there would be an age pension there. It yeah. wasn't so much a safety net. It was, mm-hmm. that's what they were working towards. Sure. And they need to be, in many ways, regarded mm-hmm. differently uh, to people on other forms of welfare. Yeah. Because those people, it is it is more of a, a a right in terms of them working towards that throughout their life. I mean, they yes. they didn't uh, they didn't a lot of them didn't grow up in the time of compulsory superannuation. Mm-hmm. So I'm very very cognizant of that, and I uh, I make sure that anything that has to do with mm-hmm. age pensioners that don't for me personally that don't get lumped in with a whole bunch of other people sure. receiving Centrelink or welfare. Yep. They're, they're in a, a different category for me. I think one thing I've noticed from doing this podcast is that quite a few MPs from across all parts of Australia are bringing up Centrelink as one of the biggest constituent issues they yeah. have to deal with. So it sounds like something that might need to be investigated yeah. a little bit further in maybe a committee. <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's, it's, it's well-trodden ground. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as a backbencher, the thing that I can do, and as I've got a record of doing, is backbencher in government mm-hmm. is is keeping my side mm-hmm. uh, honest yep. and doing the right thing it's a people talk about the power of the crossbench mm-hmm. uh, to to you know when the numbers are are as they are at the moment mm-hmm. to be able to affect change well backbenchers in government can certainly affect change and also there's always a great deal of interest when someone from in within the tent decides to go you know what I don't agree with that. And once they've exhausted all of those avenues that are open to them within the tent, mm-hmm. to then go, well, now it's time to actually make a public stand on this. That, uh, because it's not our core business. Yep. Our core business is, is, is providing stable government, mm-hmm. um, but we have to do what's right. Yep. And uh, I've done that with the Royal Commission into the banks. I was the, the lower house person that had to have that, have that conversation with the Prime Minister yep. uh, that was going to enable uh, it in the lower house to, if it went to a vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've certainly done it with the Commonwealth Integrity Commission debate. I've, mm-hmm. I've made it very clear and I must say Christian Porter and his office have been extremely um, accommodating mm-hmm. when it's come to this, the, the Commonwealth Integrity Commission issue. Uh, and I really, really hope that I can get it right by working with them. Yep. Uh, that's my great desire because mm-hmm. I do think it's we can do that. Yep. Um, but there are other issues where I, I think it's important for all of us to stand up. The supermarkets, the duopoly of Coles and Woolworths. I, yep. I was part of a, a group of MPs who really went out to, to uh, stop the dollar milk issue. See, dollar milk... Uh, doesn't sound like much to many people, mm-hmm. but it it was one of the the, the key areas that was is, was uh, crippling our dairy industry. Yeah. Uh, they brought it in on Australia Day in two thousand and eleven, Coles, mm-hmm. and it stayed there ever since until yeah. we broke it. And and to Woolworths credit, they jumped first. Yeah. They had the courage to say, right, oh, we'll end it. Mm-hmm. But certainly, we pushed hard for that. When I, when I raised it and told a few of my colleagues that this is what I was going after, I, I you know, quite a few of them weren't interested. A few, to their credit, were. Yep. We we went hard on it, and and we've still got a market that's adjusting post one dollar milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the price of milk needs to go up dramatically for it to be sustainable. Yeah. But uh, but we've done the right thing. We achieved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one nation didn't achieve it. Uh, a whole bunch of other people who have got a lot to say on the issue didn't achieve it. Sure. It was um, a couple of backbenchers and also the help of the minister yeah. at the time, David Littleproud, that achieved ending dollar milk. So I feel really, really proud about that. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure as long as I'm here, there'll be <laughs> many other issues that I'll, I'll take on and hopefully see some more success. Yeah. Well, it's fantastic that you get to have those rewarding experiences to balance out sort of the stress of all the other parts of the job, like the divisions that get called, especially yep. last week there were a few divisions. Um, and another word that you've mentioned quite a bit throughout the podcast is sustainability, mm. which is 
my passion is economic, social and environmental sustainability. And you've been talking about you know, Woolworths making that first step. Mm. Do you see corporates as a way to sort of lead the way in that sustainability space? Look, I do. I think they have a huge responsibility in, in so many ways. I mean, do you look at Coles and Woolies and they, you know, are in round figures, they have, they have over 70, they hold over $70 billion of a $90 billion in uh, grocery industry in Australia. Yeah. They're big money. That's big money. Yeah. It's, uh, they're massive um, uh, employers mm-hmm. of people. Not only do they buy a huge amount of, of uh, product and uh, they employ a vast number of people. So they have a social responsibility to do the right thing sure. as well as uh, you know, their responsibility to their shareholders is certainly not the only one. And I think the two pre- uh, work together quite well. I think shareholders expect uh, that the company that they've got shares in is mm-hmm. is ethical, yes. acts in a in a sustainable way, and is 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 setting an example that you would expect a leader in industry to set. Yes, uh, I think the banks haven't done that, uh, and but hopefully we're we're going to see better better performance from the banks. Certainly, the recent uh, Westpac Austrac uh, uh, detection of offences mm-hmm. is is a real really. Uh, disgraceful episode Mm -hmm. but hopefully we we detect these things there's outrage appropriate outrage there's appropriate Mm -hmm. penalties to deter these things from happening again Uh, executives need to know that if they hold the reins Mm -hmm. when something as as uh, significant as what we've seen with Westpac happens they're gone they're they're gone there there is no uh, you know well this is no um Exxon or there, there is no dumbing down of it. It mm-hmm. is a real breach of trust. Yeah. It's a real breach of law and they are gone. Mm-hmm. If it was a commissioner of police and they presided over something like that, they'd be gone and they'd probably be facing a jail term. Yes. And corporate executives need to be under the same regime, I think. I think we need to see more corporate yeah. uh, executives go to jail for things like this because at the end of the day, someone suffers. Yeah. These are not victimless crimes. Mm-hmm. These are particularly with these Austrac breaches, that, that are de- these uh, laws are designed to stop uh, terrorism and yeah. pedophilia. Yeah. And these are absolutely circumstances where someone is going to suffer a horrible outcome because of these breaches. So we need to treat it in that, that context when we're dealing with these executives. That's my view. Yeah. And you mentioned before about appropriate outrage and something that we've seen more and more, especially from young people, is getting quite emotional and, you know, we had Egg Boy and sort of stunts like that mm. that have been pulled, um, the climate protests. Mm. How do you think young people can channel their outrage in a more productive way to actually get into places where we can affect real change? Yeah. Well, I think certainly uh, engaging in their, in the political uh, environment mm-hmm. is is one. I know I, I've got a few friends. Uh, one of my mates, Indiana Hare, was a uh, representative with UNICEF, mm-hmm. and uh, and I've spoken really closely with her about uh, the report that they were putting together, and uh, and she's engaged with me as her federal member of parliament. I've done mm-hmm. a couple of speeches for for her in the chamber, uh, and as much and all as at times Indiana, I have a different view of an uh, of. Mm-hmm of an issue than what I will, we can enter into a dialogue Mm -hmm. where she'll tell me what she's thinking and I'll get a really good view of that and I can give her the benefit of what I'm thinking Mm -hmm. and and tell her what I think the pitfalls are Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's a a really good good relationship that I've got with Indiana and others but we need more of that because we're all exposed to being manipulated mm-hmm. we're all exposed to inf- false information and the more we talk the more chance we have of overcoming those things sure um, and and get a, a range of views get a, a wide range of views yeah. even views you don't like mm-hmm. you've got to you've got to have a listen yes and 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 don't just tip it out don't yeah. just go I'm not a part of that movement, therefore I, I don't like you. Actually have a listen, have a think. And 
if you're going to reject something, reject it after you've given it a bit of critical analysis. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'd say to young people. Yeah. That's the most important thing. I said almost the exact thing in a recent podcast episode, actually, about um, a time that I brought um, mind comp to school in high school. Yeah. I got into a lot of trouble for it. But mm. I said, I can't fully argue against the idea of Nazism if I haven't fully understood. I've only read sort of, you know, school textbooks are yeah. propaganda. Yeah. Um, and I've only read sort of that side of things. I want to read exactly what he wrote and yeah. understand it fully before I start saying, well, this is why I don't agree. Yeah. Um, school didn't think the same way. but <laughs> Well, that's a really, really important and, and, and serious point that you raise. Mm. Knowledge is... Uh, you know, if it's about free speech. Yeah. It's about the freedom to be able to uh, listen and read other points of view. Yeah. That is so, so important. We need to have that uh, ability, but we also, this is where it gets so difficult and, mm. and so personal, yeah. we need to respect others' views whilst maintaining free speech. Yes. And and I think we're, we're very quick to get aggressive in this day and age yep. about someone with a, a view that differs from ours yep. but this is where we just need to take a step back I think mm-hmm. and and young people need to take a, a good analytical look at everything don't get aggressive there mm-hmm. is no there is no value in it uh, you know there's a time there's good strong robust debate is fantastic yes um, and it's an important part of, of what we do but just this whole aggression that's going on at times mm-hmm. um, with with some of the things that are going on with young people, uh, I'd say just just step back, mm-hmm. have a look, and um, you know I think as a country we we conducted ourselves well primarily through the marriage equality debate. Mm-hmm. Now I know I'll have a very different view to some others. Yep. Uh, I voted for marriage equality mm-hmm. and I always committed that I would would vote with my electorate yeah. but predominantly I think we came through that and we we benefited and grew as a society yep there were bad examples on both mm-hmm. parts on, on both ends of that debate yeah. but the vast bulk of Australians were sensible respectful mm-hmm. about the debate and we ended up with a position that everyone I think the the vast majority of the country is happy with. Yes. And, uh, you know, we need a bit more of that. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned before about going into the chamber and actually making speeches on behalf of some of the issues raised by people mm. like Indiana. Talk me through that process. So, for example, if one of our listeners is really passionate about something and would like their local MP to make yeah. a speech, what does that mean for them? What does that mean for the, you know, workings of parliament? And yeah. So there's a number of ways you can engage with, with your parliament. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is, is through your local member, that person that you give a job to every three years. Yes. And, uh, and if they're not performing, that person who you sack. Yeah. <laughs> if they're not. And, and I'm a big advocate of that. Uh, so engaging with your local member. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what party they're mm-hmm. in, if they're in a political party. Uh, what you'll find is virtually everyone in this building who is in a major political party will be happy to sit down with anyone mm-hmm. and discuss things quite rationally. Yep. And uh, as I say, like uh, I, I know Indiana is a great mate of mine. I hope mm-hmm. she doesn't mind me talking about <laughs> her on this podcast. Uh, we'll have a different view on, on things. But yeah. uh, I've worked with her on a few issues mm-hmm. and she's, she's provided me with things and, and I've gone in there and, and represented her views. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've done that for many other people. Mm-hmm. Recently, I, I put the call out to... My constituents about what they wanted to hear me address in Parliament, mm-hmm. and I actually had the great uh, privilege of of having one of my old adopt cop schools come down to visit. Oh, wow. uh, it was uh, Kilkeven mm-hmm. State School, and they gave me all of these things that they wanted to be addressed in Parliament. So I read them while they were in the gallery, yeah. and they got to hear their own words, uh, hear their own words uh, spoken in the chamber in the in the federal Parliament, which was a bit of a thrill. For, for them and me but obviously it's more than just reading words sure. it's about doing things mm-hmm. and uh, 
you know, I really appreciate what young people do, their, their motivations. Uh, I think it is good, even though I will have a different view on, on issues, it's good to see people caring. Mm. It's good to see people involved. I, I'd rather have people have a different view to mine, yep. are well, if they're well informed and they believe in it, than have no view at all. Yeah. I'd rather that because at least I can talk to them and hey, they could change my, my view of the world too. I'm not ruling that out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic that you have such an open-minded approach to politics. Um, and I think what you spoke about with having you know the speeches read of the children in parliament is fantastic. And I think sometimes people say to me, you know, we're not 18 yet, how can we get involved? And I think they forget that as much as they're not voters, they still have a very strong voice in the yeah. electorate and they're still part of the electorate you represent. You don't yeah. just represent people 18 and over, you represent yeah. people from you know, conception. Absolutely. <laughs> well, the laws that we make affect everyone. Yeah. Petitioning is another really effective uh, instrument to speak to the parliament and mm -hmm. speak to ministers through, through petitioning. I'm the chair of the petitions committee, the, yeah. the standing committee into petitions. And we've, we're e-petitioning uh, e now, so electronic mm -hmm. petitions are becoming more and more prevalent and we've got a system where you can get onto the APH website mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and petition and put a petition forward. It's assessed by my committee as to mm -hmm. compliance and it's, it's uh, uh, quite liberal on, you know, in, in, in the way we do that. There's, there's very few issues and on very few grounds that things are knocked back. That then uh, goes onto the website once it's approved for mm -hmm. a month and people can sign it. Then we send it to a minister. I present the petition to the mm -hmm. House every Monday, the petitions. Then they'll be directed to an appropriate minister for response. Yep. So recently, Zali Stagall, the member for Warringah, presented her petition with, mm -hmm. I think it was some 400,000 signatures for climate change. Yep. Uh, and... Um, so that goes to the, the appropriate minister. Mm -hmm. There'll be a response. But the great part about that, that got a, a fair bit of media. Yeah. Now, other platforms like change.org or mm -hmm. others like that, I get hundreds of emails from, from those kind of platforms or mediums, mm -hmm. and they go nowhere. Yeah. So if you really want your uh, view to count, mm -hmm. either start a petition or get on board with a petition, uh, and that's so much more effective in our democracy yep. than, than a lot of the other things that members of parliament are just inundated with, thousands of emails from different groups. Uh, and, yeah, and like I say, it'll, it'll, it'll go to the minister and you'll get a response and you can track its progress through that, through that petitioning system. Oh, that's fantastic. And you said that's on the APH website? APH website, yeah. Which is aph.gov.au for anyone listening and right. wanting to get involved. That's a fantastic system. Mm. How long has that been uh, running now? So there was a review done into e-petitions in the last parliament. I think mm -hmm. we've had it for two parliaments, but I'd, I could be corrected on that. Uh, but we've made some significant changes in this parliament and sure. it's running really well. Yeah. Uh, we, we were... It was really tested recently with with uh, the petition that Zali tabled, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that was good. That was that was really good. So yeah. I'm looking forward to to seeing what other strong views come through the petitions committee. Yeah, and that petition around climate change is obviously something that's quite close to your electorate because you have quite a bit of ecotourism yeah. in Wide Bay. I know you've got Noosa, which is one of my favourite parts of Australia. Yes. Um, I think it's absolutely Everyone's favourite part. Beautiful. Mm. Um, how do you advocate for the environmental sustainability of your electorate while managing the economic sustainability yeah. as well? Uh, it, that's a really good question because there probably aren't as many... Uh, there aren't too many electorates as diverse in, in every way as mm -hmm. White Bay is. Yep. As you say, on the, the eastern, southeastern corner of my electorate, I've got Noosa and Sunshine Beach and Perigian. Mm -hmm. uh, and to the east, I've got the World Heritage listed Fraser Island. Yep. And these are areas that uh, 
survive on, on their environmental credentials in terms of tourism. Sure. People come there for an environmental ex- uh, tourism experience mm-hmm. uh, and, and people live there for the same, same reasons. Yeah. Now, travel 120 kilometres uh, north, northwest and we've got industrial uh, communities like Meribah is an, mm-hmm. an industrial town. Uh, where we're absolutely ready to fall over ourselves to find new and new industry for for the town to create jobs and people uh, have a different world view in many ways. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone gets along and appreciates uh, each other, but certainly, if you were to introduce a, a, a new big energy intensive industry to Noosa, it would be looked upon differently to what it would be in, in Maribara or Gympie or Mergen, yeah. where, where we need. So it is about uh, ensuring that we deliver for everyone, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, we've got to be respectful of people's views in Noosa, yep. if you don't live in Noosa. Mm-hmm. And if you live in Noosa, you've got to be respectful of people's views in Maribara and Gympie and Mergen, yep. uh, if you don't live there. Mm-hmm. So. And as the federal member for Wide Bay, I've got to be respectful of everyone. <laughs> but I do uh, look. Most people are very understanding of of, yeah. of how the world works. We yeah. all want a cleaner, more sustainable globe. I don't know too many people that don't want that. It's just mm-hmm. how we get to that point is yeah. the challenge. We have different views on climate change. What's causing climate change? We have different views on rising sea levels and mm. things like this, and how they're going to affect the economy. Uh, we have extremists on both ends. Yes. We have absolute deny deniers, people who deny any climate change, which is crazy mm-hmm. because the climates always change. Then we have people who really want to scare everyone yeah. to death on the other side, which is is not in any way helpful. Mm-hmm. So it's about being respectful. It's about having the the right knowledge, but also growing, as I said at the very beginning of this podcast, yeah. growing our economy in a global context. Mm-hmm whilst we have a, uh, a, a quite a high safety net social security yes. system uh, and certain expectations that have to be met. Mm-hmm. That's the Australia that we all love yeah. and we have to continue to maintain and make better. Yeah, well, that's a big challenge and requires a very strong vision going forward. Do you have sort of forward plans for your electorate that you're able to talk about on the podcast? I know that there's some things that you've got to keep under wraps until they're a little bit further closer yeah. to the start line. But what Look, are your big plans for White Bay? I think Bay? it's pretty obvious what I, I need to fight for in White Bay. Um, a better infrastructure. Yep. Our, uh, one of the big wins that I had in, uh, in my first term of parliament was to secure $800 million of funding for the road, the, the bypass mm-hmm. road around Gympie. So that's an upgrade of the Bruce Highway, which yep. is the major national highway that's a 30 kilometer brand new road that's going to be built started very soon so more of that kind of nation building economy building infrastructure is is what we need i need to make sure uh, that um, we have the appropriate also the appropriate water infrastructure i mean the the climate is changing Mm -hmm. and we need to be prepared for what it holds in the future and I think more water infrastructure appropriate water infrastructure is needed I'm working on some projects in the South Burnett at the moment mm-hmm. that are in their early phases to do with uh, some weirs mm-hmm. on, on good catchments out there that'll that'll uh, work well with the uh, irrigation uh, crops that they have out there so that's that's another really important one and just doing whatever I can to bring down high unemployment rates getting back to my my area of, of passion uh, also I want more headspaces mm-hmm. uh, I've been really uh, lucky to not lucky I've, I've pushed hard and had an outreach put in Gympie and one coming to Maryborough oh, there was so there was no headspace uh, in White Bay uh, up until I got those two mm-hmm. so that's their huge wins yep. but we need to keep going because Primary Health Network's needs assessment document shows clearly that we are an area that um, that has high rates of of mental ill health. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, a really 
distressing um, landscape when it comes to, to poor health generally and mm -hmm. suicide. So I've got to, got to improve those things, but that takes all three levels of government to improve those and yes. got to keep working hard with my local and state colleagues to make sure that we're all working together. And you're a coalition representative in a state that has a Labor government currently in yep. power. What's your relationship like with state government coming from sort of two different sides of the political spectrum? I think it's good. Mm -hmm. Certainly... Uh, that road, the uh, Gympie Bypass Section D of the Karoidakara Bruce Highway upgrade is an 80-20 funding split. Yeah. So for that to uh, occur, I need $200 million from the state government, which mm -hmm. they've stumped up. And when they did, I, I praised them for that yeah. because politics needs to take a back seat when it comes to these things, and mm -hmm. I'll always do that. It drives me nuts when people just play politics on everything yeah. i hate it yeah uh it, it's infuriating because I'll, I'll always call out good work where it happens i'll call out bad performance or bad decisions where it happens mm -hmm. but that's got nothing to do with what side of politics you're on sure uh, i'm sure that some of the senior leadership people in the coalition would much rather i didn't mm -hmm. but i'll always call out uh you know what i see are, is decisions that aren't helping the people yeah. Um, so, but it's, it's important that you're consistent mm -hmm. across party lines. Do you think those kind of political games are magnified by how the media portrays politics at times? Well, certainly the, the relationship with media is important because mm -hmm. they're quite often your voice yep. into the community. So you need to have effective relationships with, with the media. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, look, it, it's part of your core businesses as an MP. Yep. Is, is communicating with your media. I mean, we send out media releases all day, every day, mm -hmm. and we answer questions on different topics. And what you what you need to do is not only be available when it's a feel-good thing for you. Sure. And, and I try to do that to the best of my ability. When they're, when they're hard questions have got to be answered, mm -hmm. I try to be there to answer them. Yeah. And I think, like anything in life, the media respect you they get to know you mm -hmm. if you're somebody that only turns up when the sun's shining and you things are great well they're gonna they're not going to have the same respect for you uh, as somebody who's always there mm -hmm. doing their job to call it how it is yep. and, and answer the hard questions and that translates into how effective you become yep. getting those important messages those key messages out to your constituency I like to think I've got a a good relationship with my local media. I know that uh, both the Fraser Coast Chronicle and particularly the Gympie Times mm. in in my area were absolutely critical in my campaign to get that $800 million. Mm. I mean, we there was front page after front page, which I presented here in Parliament, mm -hmm. and we were both fearless in, in putting the message forward that it, the longer you sit on that project, people will die. Now, sometimes you need to you need to put that very raw message out there, and uh, that was what we did. We worked together well, and Scott Morrison, when he was the treasurer, uh, announced that that funding had, had been secured. So, media is extremely important. We need to protect the media too. Mm -hmm. um, we need to, particularly regional media, yep. um, because. You know, uh, we've we've been very fortunate over the decades with regional media, and it's under threat at the moment from from the internet and a lot of other uh, pressures mm -hmm. uh, within Australia and globally. So I, I really believe that we need to make sure regional media is is strong, and uh, it's it's vital. The media has also been put into your hands a little bit in recent years with social media. Yep. Do you use your social media platform to communicate with your constituents? Absolutely. Some of my staff cringe when they see some of the things that I put on <laughs> social media, but it's about letting, uh, telling people what you, you do. But mm -hmm. with social media, it's also about letting them know who you are. Yeah. You know, and people understand that I'm... I'm certainly not perfect mm -hmm. uh, and presenting some of that is not a bad thing. Yeah. 
you know, I'm, I'm the first to make fun of myself if if I stuff something up yeah. or, you know, if, and, I, and I think that's as important as anything. Mm-hmm. Letting your constituents know you're a human being mm-hmm. uh, is important. So, yeah, in that in that regard, I think sometimes my uh, my staff look at some of the stuff I put up there and go, oh, no, he's at it again. <laughs> but, um, but also recently... Um, throughout the the bushfires in Perigian and Noosa area, sure. social media is just extremely effective in getting out uh, a quick message. Yeah. And when you've got a reliable social media site like mine, or or the state member for Noosa, or Tony Wellington, the mayor in in, mm-hmm. uh, in Noosa Shire, that they can go to and they know they're going to get quick, reliable information. That yeah. can be life saving. So yeah. very very important to to engage with social media. For sure. I think I like the point that you bring up about showing that human side of yourself with social mm. media because I think it is contributing to a lot of mental health issues, especially yeah. with young people, was feeling the need to be perfect. And I know I put up a lot of stuff that people are like, why would you even post that? And I'm like, because it happened and it's true and it's real. And, yeah. you know, I reheated dinner at 9.30 at night and poured myself a glass of wine and that's, you know, that was my... Tuesday evening because yeah. I was so busy and that's how life can get sometimes and exactly yeah exactly that genuine side I think is yeah. really important yeah and and you know whilst everyone in this building does an extremely serious job you can't take mm-hmm. yourself too seriously because no. if you do you you're going to probably end up looking like what everyone detests in politics yeah. it's not all about being a, a personality but people know you've got to got to know you have a personality yes yeah and we've seen that very genuine side and your personality shine through on the podcast today, Lou. It's been absolutely fantastic. We're coming up to question time, so I better let you get prepared for yes. that. I was hoping you could give one last message to any people listening, especially our younger listeners, of what they can do for the future of Australia, how to get involved in politics yeah. and how they can become more engaged in yeah. these discussions. Look, I think we covered it before. Mm-hmm. Get informed take on study a wide range of views even if they're not yours educate yourself on the topics that you want to get in, in active on mm-hmm. and then get active yep. uh, join a, a political party uh, political parties get a bad rap but mm-hmm. they are the best way to make change and i'm not saying to everyone go and join the nationals although that's good <laughs> and if you need a, a membership form just come and see me <laughs> but but join a political party that suits your values i i don't uh, the, the the Liberal National Party in Queensland mm-hmm. aligns with my values. I don't align with it. Yep. Uh, and that's what you've got to say. Mm-hmm. And and if one day that doesn't occur, it's time to walk away or it's time to take time out mm-hmm. um, because you've got to be true to your beliefs. But study, become as informed as possible and then become active. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic words. Thank you, Lou, for your time today. And good luck for the rest of this sitting week. Thank you. I hope I don't need it. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to Politics Done Differently. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to hear more, please go back through our library for more insightful interviews. Please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at PD Differently. If you want to get involved in the conversation, please hashtag PD differently. We look forward to seeing you next episode.